Alchemy is an ancient practice associated with science, chemistry, physics, astronomy, astrology, art, symbology, methodology, medicine, and philosophical analysis. And despite that these sciences were not exercised in a scientific way as known today, alchemy is the origin of modern logic. Dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and welcome to another episode of uh, Not Friday Night Live, The Alchemy of Truth. Um, we're very excited. This is only the second episode. You can tell it's the second episode because I always make this mistake Not Friday Night Live anymore, even though it is on Friday night and it is live. So we have with us today our second co host, which is uh, Sarwa Abdurrahim. It's good to see you uh, here again, Sarwa. Thank you. As you guys might have known, um, we didn't have Sarwa last week because she was a bit busy with some things. Um, and we had uh, Amr with us. Today, Amr is not able to make it. So it's just going to be me and Sarwa and our guests, inshallah. There was a very interesting point um, brought to our attention last week about the name of the show, The Alchemy of Truth. Yeah, Sarah was looking at me with a funny face because she wasn't here last week and she didn't listen to the podcast. So that's cool, man. That's okay. Uh, so the point was that the alchemy, we called it the alchemy of truth because our show um, tries to look into all the different opinions um, that are available on almost every single you know, uh, topic or issue, um, which is you know something which I, I really like getting into. You learn so much by uh, listening to both points of um, uh, conversation. Uh, one of our listeners, Sahar, whose, na- whose uh, surname I'm not going to try and pronounce, mentioned that not everything is so confused or is so um, subjective. Uh, some things are quite absolute, and so we shouldn't be absolute in, in you know denouncing everything as being um, you know subjective. And that is something that's very true. Um, of course, as Muslims, there is a number of different aspects, different uh, facts, which we hold to be absolutely true at all times. Uh, and this, of course, isn't what I was talking about. So I wasn't actually absolutely uh, um, making that statement. Um, but again, I mean, a, an issue like feminism, for example, and uh, its compatibility with Islam or Islam's con- compatibility with feminism, that's a very interesting topic, I find. Because both uh, camps have very convincing ideas, um, and I like um, I like listening to them because they're both so uh, convincing, and they're both so genuine. When we had our uh, guests last week, sisters Maryam Hajar Mihal, and we had a, a you know a very good civil discussion. Alhamdulillah, nobody threw any punches, at least not physical punches. There was lots of intellectual punches being thrown around. Um, so. This week is our second part of the um, uh, of the feminism issue, and we had an arrangement of uh, Dr. Uh, Jamila Hussain, who is a lecturer at UTS, and uh, Sarwa is going to tell us a little bit more about her. So, um, Sister Jamila Hussain joined um, UTS in 1997. She's had a long interest in foreign cultures and uh, their diverse legal systems. I should say that when I did study at UTS, she was um, uh, she was uh, teaching Islamic law, and um, I sat the subject. Alhamdulillah, I found the, the subject very informative, and she was a fantastic teacher, mashallah. So she's lived two years in Malaysia, 
working and studying at a Malaysian university. Um, she also later taught for several years at the School of um, Southeast Asian Law at the then Northern Territory University in Darwin. She teaches subjects such as Asian law and legal systems and Islamic law at UTS. And um, she also was a former member of the Women's Interfaith Network, the Muslim Women's National Network of Australia, and the Engaging with Women's Subcommittee, Muslim Community Reference Group, She's also um, formed a group with a couple of um, Sydney sisters called the Australian Muslim Women Association, which I had the honour of attending the um, the oh, formal... You didn't tell me that. That's the first I know about this. Maybe we shouldn't ask her the questions about the uh, Australian Muslim... What is it? Australian Women's Group? Australian Muslim Women's Association. Oh, so there is a, a Muslim there. Okay. Yeah. So they've, they've set up the organisation essentially um, targeting or not targeting, I shouldn't say that word, um, to assist Australian Muslims or new Australian women Muslims who've converted, who need support and um, who are, you know, of Australian background, whether you're white Anglo or you're, you know, just essentially Australian. She'll she'll know a lot more about it. I I attended this about three, four months ago (laughs) and um, it was was very interesting. It was also um, a launch for her new book, um, I'm not sure of the title, but it's essentially Islamic uh, a Sharia law. Muslims and their law or something like that. Sharia that, Muslims and their that's law. That's right. Um, and it's, I think, the second edition of that book. Yeah, I read a little bit of it on the train. Yeah, I've, um, I've got the book at home. Um, when I was studying at UTS and doing this subject, I had to buy it. And it's, it is a very <laughs> good book. Um, it's very straightforward um, and, it, um, and it covers um, essentially everything about Sharia law in sort of layman's terms. Okay, that's great. Uh, unfortunately, um, Sister Jamila is a bit sick today, so she wasn't actually able to make it physically to the radio station, but we will be conducting the interview with her over the phone. Um, we also have another guest, uh, which I'm very excited to have, who is uh, a, a son of Melbourne, let's say. So he's a, a Melbourneite, not a Sydney sider. We will not hold that against him because he's a very good brother, mashallah. And he uh, was uh, very good with contributing. Now, I'm not sure, because his name is written in English, how to pronounce his name. And I hope, because last time I made uh, just a disaster with Sahar's surname. His name is Muhammad Tabba'a. I think it's Muhammad Tabba'a. Muhammad has a degree in legal studies and history from La Trobe University in Melbourne with honors. Uh, his current PhD, he's a current PhD candidate in law and criminology at the University of Melbourne. He's worked with the Muslim community in Melbourne for over six years, including holding the presidency for La Trobe University's Islamic Society, spanning a five-year period. And I think he graduated last, um, maybe yesterday or two days ago. So congratulations to him as well. We'll be um, speaking to him um, later on in the show, inshallah. So um, we're going to share with you a uh, nasheed which I like very much. I first thought it was a bit lame, but then having gone to the uh, Sounds of Light concert, turns out it was actually not lame at all. It was it was a beautiful uh, nasheed. So uh, we're going to uh, play that for you. Uh, what is it? Um? It's called it's Meher Zain, uh, and the song is Subhanallah, and it's not lame. It's awesome, and I saw him live as well. And it's uh, Mashallah, he's a very fantastic performer. Inshallah, Inshallah. So it's just about to start, I think. Jazakumullah khairan, thank you brother 
Maher Zain featuring Masoud Curtis, subhanallah. And we are now going to go to our next uh, guest, who is Mr. Jamila Hussain. Uh, we go to the phone now. Assalamu alaikum. How are you, Sister Jamila? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for um, agreeing to do this show. No problem. All right. So um, what we're going to do now is uh, Sarwa is going to handle the questions while I go and pray Maghrib before the time finishes. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be back in 10 minutes, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Jamila. We're going to begin our discussion today, inshallah, with, um, with what you view as feminism or how you view fem- feminism is. Like, what, it, what does it mean to you, essentially? Okay. Well, I'm glad you, you put it that way because I think feminism has got many different interpretations and means many different things to different people. So what I regard as feminism is, I guess, uh, well, first of all, it's based on my my own experience growing up a long time ago in uh, a non-Muslim family in Australia. My experience as a family lawyer, mostly with non-Muslim clients over the period that I was in practice. What I've learned and what I've seen and uh, talk to people about since. So it's it's a very practical uh, outlook on feminism. And I guess basically I think feminism means allowing women to uh, achieve their potential, uh, to live with dignity, to have the basic necessities of life, to have an education, and uh, in the subject to family and things like that too, be able to make the most of their own talents. Okay, so what does it mean from an Islamic perspective then? Like, um, I understand that you've studied the Sharia law. That's right. Well, I think from an Islamic perspective, it means going back to the Quran and looking to see what um, rights and privileges God gave to women. And as you know, there were, there were many. The, the right to have a separate legal identity, meaning right to own property, the right to divorce. Okay, so if we go back to Quran, we find that um, Islam is very, very fair to women, and they um, it occupied a, you know, a, a prominent and a, a good position in the early Islamic society. Okay. Um, can you give examples of, um, I mean, I think uh, what a lot of the media will harp on is um, a, a big example of that would be um, inheritance laws. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, this, actually, I was talking to some of the post-grade students about that today, and I think what gets missed in the media is the reason that the inheritance laws are as they are, because they place the the sole burden of supporting uh, female members of the family on the man so he needed more resources. Now, it's arguable whether that's still the case today. And I'm not going to get into that argument because there are people who are much more knowledgeable than me who can argue that case. But, uh, you know, you can see how it looks from the Western point of view. Um, have you read the um, the recent judgment? I'm not sure. Um, that's right, in um, the Supreme mm. Court um, in Canberra. Um, yes. And then the media harp on that after that. 
Yes, but the media misconstrued that completely. That was a, the key, the, the, the crux of that case was capacity. Did the test data have sufficient capacity at the time she made her will to you know, be really aware of what she was doing? And the, the court found that because she had the early signs of dementia, then she probably didn't. It wasn't about unequal division of property between members of the family. In fact, they, as uh, um, you can still you can leave your property any way you want, subject to family provision act. So, if you want to leave twice as much to your son as your daughter, you can, or vice versa. That's right. I mean, uh, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer myself, and I know from my own practice that you know, if I draft a will. Um, and my client instructs me that's how they wish to divide their assets. Um, they have every right to divide their assets um, as they see fit. Okay. Uh, and it's not about fair or unfair. Um, but, yeah, in that case, because um, I happened to read the judgment, it was the fact that she had um, early signs of de dementia. Mm. But, unfortunately, the media just um, went on about how it's unfair and that's the reason why the Supreme Court ruled against the, um, the beneficiaries and so forth. Now, the media were completely wrong on that point. And it's a shame that they, they sort of can't be persuaded to correct themselves when they're, they're just so wrong because it's, it's another sort of big Muslims down kind of thing. Um, if they look at the facts and they get a little bit of advice about it, they'd know that what they were saying was completely wrong. I mean, um, sort of on a similar point, um, what are your views on sort of gender relations in Islam? That's a very broad thought. Do you want to narrow that down a little bit to what do you mean by gender relations? Assalamu alaikum, I just came back from the I think Nasser could um, actually elaborate because he actually drafted this question. Oh, okay, yes. We need to know what, what you mean exactly by gender relations. Yeah. Um, well, basically, um, the relationship between the men and the women in regards to, for example, in Islam, um, men, uh, in one of the interpretations, are dominant over women. Uh, now, this may be interpreted in different ways, but there is, um, I guess, in this relationship between man and women, uh, as with any other relationship at work or at home or anywhere else, somebody has to have... Um, more of a dominance than the other uh, as the leader of the family mm -hmm. while for example for some forms of feminism that is completely not allowed well no I, I wouldn't agree with that I think that you do normally need somebody to be take, take the leadership position but I don't think that that is inevitably going to be the man because you know, let's let's face it there are some women who are a lot better informed and a lot more competent than their husbands. But really, you know, what I would like to see is for people to sort out their family relationships by talking to each other and by reaching an agreement. And like by Shura, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you not agree that Islam is in some way a um, patriarchal religion? Not a misogynistic religion, but more patriarchal. I think, I think all the major religions are patriarchal. Yeah, but... You know, and other and major that's, that's because of their, their development over history and because of the position of women in history also. Because it's only very recently 
that women have, uh, for example, been able to control their own fertility and therefore have had more scope for uh, being able to get out in the world and do things. You can't, you can't become a, a CEO very easily if you've got a tribe of small children to look after. Yeah, I guess I understand. I mean, look, in, in this regard, I'm not really talking about all world religions. I'm just talking about Islam because, of course, you know, um, our acceptance of their, you know, um, tenets is, um, you know, something, it's another discussion altogether. Um, what we're talking about here is a discussion within, you know, the Islamic guidelines, whether yeah. that is um, something that can be accepted or not to have men and women being... Um, equal but not the same well of course men and women are not the same it's not so much gender equality it's a matter of gender equity isn't it being fair to both both parties oh yeah. um just a quick reminder that Mar uh, Isha, Salat al-Isha is going to be at uh, 8 25 mm -hmm. uh, and so that's in another uh, four minutes inshallah so maybe we'll use um the next couple of minutes to discuss um the the ways of feminism Mm -hmm. so I understand there are three main ways of feminism. Oh, uh, yeah. Can I, can I have 30 seconds to cough, please? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, no worries. Uh, so, while the sister's coughing, uh, <laughs> we, um, I want to understand, basically, about how feminism started, because a lot of those who have, you know, the Muslims who have uh, criticisms uh, towards feminism, it, they're talking about how it started. That the fact that it was that it started out, that it was uh, grown, that it uh, developed. The basis of it was. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break now for okay. Adhan al Isha at uh, 8:25 p.m. So if we could uh, have you uh, stay on the line, and we'll get back because uh, that's very interesting. Uh, your points here, and I'd like to discuss them with you, uh, dear listeners. Uh, we will be back in another three minutes, inshallah. Three minutes, okay. <laughs> and we are back. Um, so thank you for uh, waiting on the line, sister. No problem. Um, just a reminder to our listeners um, that if you do want to call us to contribute, I mean, you're always welcome to go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash alchemyoftruth, or to our Twitter account, which is alchemyoftruth. Um, you can also call us if you're in, or if you're in Australia, actually. Actually, anywhere, really. Even if you're on the moon, you can call the international <laughs> tone 02-9724-3355, and we will endeavor to uh, get you on air. So, um, Sister Jamila, I wanted to ask you, I mean, the experiences that you were talking about, of course, they were very unfair um, towards women, um, but they only um, describe the experience of Australian women. So, I mean, I guess, I mean, feminism in that light is seen as justified. It's seen as something that's needed. But how do we bring that back to Muslim women? Well, I think the, uh, and I'm quite, I have been quite inspired in the past by sisters in Islam in Malaysia who have done a lot towards improving the position of uh, not only Malay women but other Malaysian women. And they've done it in a very quiet way through Islam and not by uh, sort of uh, writing in the streets or anything like that. And they've achieved a lot. I know some of my Malay friends think they've gone too far, but nevertheless, 
the, if they can show something for their efforts. Um, we have another question here from uh, one of our uh, Facebook friends. From Sahar, perhaps Jamila could answer my question from last week. Identifying feminism isn't simply about semantics. It's much more than that, which touches upon the issues of knowledge and power. Women throughout our history have, who have acted in defense of women. Feminists today have imposed a feminist label on uh, when these women did not identify themselves as such. Feminism invokes the liberal tradition and privileges a particular subject, critically engaged, acting out their agency, autonomous, etc. Those aren't necessarily pursued within our tradition. What Islamic feminists are doing are imposing meaning on the experiences of women, which in itself is an act of violence, no different than from colonial agendas of the past. I think maybe that's a bit too harsh. <laughs> word, that's a very long, that's a very long statement. And I, I think it again it comes back to what you consider feminism is, and some people consider that it's something that is aggressive and antagonistic. Other people look at it quite differently. I, I sort of look at it from the point of view as it does it help women um, have equity within in their lives and in their family situation and their workplace. Well, is it is it needed in today's society in Australia? Oh, of course it is. I mean, in what aspect? Well, in, a, in any aspect where women are treated less fairly than men. And it's ad admittedly there's not nearly so much of that going on these days. Um, but there's there are still some problems. I mean, I mean, I'm a female. I've actually never really come across any problems. Ah, uh, so you're a particular kind of female. You are very, very confident, very intelligent, and very articulate. It's women who don't have those qualities that need a little bit of help. I understand. I mean, I suppose. Um, I mean, I've I've got a bit of experience in um, women who've uh, experienced domestic violence, mm. violence, yeah. and I worked at a legal centre. And um, I can see how they may have been disadvantaged, but not because they're females as such. It's more because they haven't been able to express themselves and they don't go out there to see what resources are available because we have all the resources um, to help us. Um, you know, everything's out there available for us, but I think it's a matter of, you know, being confident enough. Uh, and uh, searching and looking out for these things and that will empower where to find them. Exactly. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's a matter of maybe a phone call, but they don't even know that that exists. That's right. Yeah. And look, when I was practicing family law, I came across so many sad cases of women who were suffering abuse, didn't know where to turn, and needed that extra bit of help to get on their feet and make a life for themselves and their children. That is actually a big problem in, in the Australian community, like victims of domestic violence. Hmm. Uh, it's, oh, there's domestic violence everywhere. It's not a, not a Muslim problem particularly. It's oh, no, no, I'm not saying it's a Muslim it's problem. I'm, yeah. I'm saying it's an Australian problem. Yeah, it's an Australian problem and a world problem. That's right, definitely a world <laughs> problem, yeah. Um, but from my own experience, I think um, yeah, um, domestic violence is one issue that really... Um, it really dampens women, I mean, women's rights. Um, not only because of that, I think it um, affects their self-esteem, um, and that in itself will uh, decrease their, um, you know, their right to live a happy and normal life. That's right. Yeah. Right. Um, I think we've come to the end of our 
um, talk. Um, Sister Jamila, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I know it's been difficult for you since you know you, you, you're sick and at home and stuff that you made the time to speak to us. So, Jazakum Allah Khairan. Thank you very much. Inshallah. Thank you very okay. much, Sister. And okay. uh, we wish you a uh, speedy recovery, Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Sorry. That was Sister Jamila Hussain, uh, lecturer at UTS University. Or actually just UTS. I don't uh, think she's in a full form. I think because of her sickness, she's actually yeah. a lot more... Um, I, I was saying that. I don't think she's in a full form because of her sickness. But inshallah, she gets better very soon. Inshallah. Now we're going to move on to um, our next Nasheed, <laughs> as well as our next uh, speaker, inshallah, uh, or our next guest, inshallah. Um, actually, no. First, I wanted to read a follow-up comment by Sister Sahar. Maybe one day she'll tell me how she pronounces her name. Um, she says, Problematizing feminism's compatibility with Islam isn't the same as saying women aren't experiencing structural discrimination. Totally different issue. Feminism claims a monopoly over speaking for women and the issues that affect them. Again, that's a very interesting point. Um, and also she says from her question last week, Feminism isn't simply about helping women. To define it as such is to juxtapose Islam as not helping women. The tension lies at the epistemological level. What notion of agency, freedom, equality and real subjectivity are Islamic feminists operating under? Um, that's actually more a statement than it is a, um, a question. A question. Um, so thank you, Sister Sahar. We did, I did actually want you to give us your perspective but uh, inshallah we'll have another chance later now we'll leave you with another Mahar Zain Nasheed because you know he's so good and in the meantime we will get um, our next guest Muhammad um, I'm hoping his name is Muhammad Tabba uh, in a few minutes so this song is actually dedicated to his mum it's called Number One for Me That was a uh, very interesting nasheed. That was actually the first time I hear this nasheed. And I was laughing very loudly because I thought it sounded like uh, Rebecca Black's Friday song. I think if you guys know what that is. Oh, you should. I mean, she's had like 40 million plays on the YouTube or something. Okay, inshallah. So our next guest, and I will introduce him again, uh, is... Oh, wait. Yes. Is Muhammad Tabba. So let us just uh, get him on the phone. Assalamu alaikum. How are you, brother? Very, how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm very good. If I could ask you to raise your voice a little bit. I might ask you to do the same because I can barely hear you as well. Okay, how is that? Uh, that's a bit better, yeah? Mine oh. right? Alhamdulillah, yeah. it's much better. Um, so it's Tabba, isn't it? I mean, Arabic, it's Atabba. Atabba, okay, khair, inshallah. So, brother Muhammad has a degree in legal studies and history from La Trobe University with an honors um, degree. Uh, his current PhD, which I believe you finished, correct? No, I didn't finish my PhD, no. Oh, okay, so what did you graduate for today? Uh, for, the, um, for the legal studies and history one. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so you're now a current PhD candidate in law and criminology at the University of Melbourne. Yep. You've worked within the Muslim community in Melbourne for over six years, including holding the presidency of La Trobe University's Islamic Society, spanning a five-year period. Uh, uh, let me start with saying Jazakallah khairan for all the services that you uh, give to the community and we are very happy and it's a genuine pleasure to have you on the show Likewise, thanks for having me Jazakallah um, So let us start with the comments directly following uh, Sister um, Jamila's uh, 
uh, talk, which is by Sahar. Um, did you have a chance to um, hear what Sahar was talking about? I did, but I see there are four comments, five comments. Which one are you talking about? So she was talking here about the fact that feminine, uh, femininity, feminism um, claims to be the sole holder of women's rights. Uh, so no one else outside of feminism can, was, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what she's saying, no one else outside of, outside of feminism is allowed to speak for Muslim women. So here, uh, this is actually a very interesting point that she mentions here. Well, it is very interesting because um, I think her point is actually a bit broader than that, not, um, not specific to Muslim women, but to women in general. So um, I think the point she's making is that women working in the past um, for the benefit of women's issues, for example, in Egypt or other places, um, have been defined as feminists despite the fact that they didn't define themselves as such, or even in opposition to the fact that they uh, clearly didn't like the term feminism. So I think that's what she's referring to uh, regarding the colonization of language and so on. Um, so, yeah, some examples of the past where pretty much everybody uh, dealing with women's rights is considered as a feminist when, in fact, they, they might not um, claim themselves to be as such. So w what do you um, view feminism as, then? Well, actually, this is where my, um, my point of contention comes with feminism, um, with that very question itself. Um, so I know if you asked Jamila uh, at the very beginning that same question, what do you view fe uh, feminism as? Did you hear a, her answer? Now, um, my answer is this. That's our problem, is that... Um, the definition of feminism is entirely subjective. So it's according to what I think, it's according to what you think, what Sister Jamila thinks, and so on. Um, so this causes a number of problems for us, okay? First of all is that um, every, if we're going to claim that um, every interpretation is valid or just as valid as the next, um, then there is no objective truth there. There's no, uh, there's no objectivity whatsoever. It's entirely subjective. Now, that's fine for a secular discourse such as feminism in general, but... When we try to merge that with Islam, we know, as, um, as Nasser was mentioning at the beginning, that uh, as Muslims we believe in a, an objective truth, in a transcendental truth, you know, in, um, in uh, God's knowledge, if you like. Mm -hmm. So when we try to, um, to merge subjective interpretations into Islam, we're bringing this unrestrained subjectivity into Islam, which is dangerous because it, it completely overrides uh, God's objective knowledge, if you like. So this um, actually had to call someone today to ask them, the definition for uh, postmodernist theory. This is the postmodern theory that basically nothing is true. Everything is open to interpretation. Basically, yeah, that everything is subjective. Everything is, um, is subject to power and, and you know, outside influences and so on. There's no transcendental knowledge. There's no objective truth. There is no truth. Um, so basically, when you hear things like "this is my truth" or "my interpretation" and so on, this is postmodern language. Um, so yeah, basically, the denial of an objective truth. Um, now, the consequences of that, as I mentioned, are that. Basically, we have to view all, uh, all opinions as valid. And I think this was also Sahar's point <laughs> about the, uh, the term, the alchemy of truth, um, that all opinions basically are valid. And she's uh, objecting to that, saying, actually, there are opinions which are more truthful than others. And there is a truth uh, at the end of the day as well. So what happens, uh, why I'm saying Islam and feminism are not compatible is because of this postmodern theory. Okay? Now, feminism is largely based on postmodern ideas, which um, Sister Jamila clearly... Um, clearly defines herself uh, as involving in. So when she was asked about her view of feminism, um, and I wrote it down here just so I don't misquote her, um, it was based, she said, on her experience, on her practical experience, um, and she believed it was about um, allowing women to achieve their potential, um, living the systems and so on, okay? So this is not grounded in any form of truth. It's not grounded in any objectivity. It's merely her personal experience. So there's nothing, nothing at all, for example, 
to stop me from coming out and saying, and I'm not saying this, um, I don't want to be labeled a misogynist again, but yep. um, there's nothing stopping me ultimately coming out and saying, I believe feminism or my interpretation of feminism is that actually women are uh, inferior to men. Yep. Uh, because um, me feminism cannot be grounded in anything absolute. Let me get um, as a collective sort of statement of both Sister Jamila this week and uh, Mihal Krayim last week yep. uh, speaking about feminism, specifically about the third wave of feminism, in which she says it can be taken and reinterpreted feminism itself to apply it to Islam within the framework of Islam rather than Islam being applied within the framework of feminism, yep. meaning that she you know, accepts and works within the limitations of Islam. When I say limitations, of course, I, I mean that... Boundaries. Yeah, boundaries. So where, you know, feminism uh, says that men and women are completely equal um, or, uh, you know, completely... Not equal, sorry. Yeah, let's say if men and women are completely equal, fe Muslim feminists would not say that. Where uh, feminism says... I mean, one form of feminism says that women are free to do whatever they want with their bodies. Muslim women say, you know, still sort of accept the, uh, the hijab as being something which is far, for example, of, uh, you know, uh, basically applying the, the, the tenets of Islam by you know, not committing zina and all these things. Um, so why is that interpretation wrong? Why do you reject that interpretation? Okay, well, to begin with, um, it's not about rejecting a particular interpretation. It's about rejecting the word itself, feminism. Um, now, the common question, which is, I think, the one you're alluding to, why can't we simply use the word feminism to fight women's oppression within an Islamic boundary, correct? Is that um, yeah, I guess, I mean... So why, why can't we use feminism within an Islamic paradigm to fight women's oppression and so on, yeah? It is. I mean, the, my question is, why is feminism different than a crus the word crusade or, for example, the word jihad, which is they have, you know, a, a um, I guess, a basis of a meaning, but they can be used in many other ways. The crusade, for example, has come to mean something historically, but it also has another meaning. And so it can be accepted that, for example, if I wanted to clean my room, I would uh, uh, launch a crusade against the dirtiness of my room. <laughs> so the same thing with feminism. I mean, it's just a, a tool used in language. Yes. Okay, this is a good point, and this is um, one of the main points I'd like to make. Um, I, I, I think we need to reject the word feminism um, purely on these grounds, okay? Um, despite our efforts at reinterpreting the word, um, like you're saying, we can just uh, reinterpret it and use it for our own means, um, the word itself has a meaning, okay? it has a history, uh, has certain methodologies and so on, um, and these, I'm arguing, conflict with Islam. I'll get to this in a minute. Um, the term, I'm arguing, can't be completely divorced from its historical meaning and its underlying assumptions, uh, which are uh, based in anti-religious um, discourse, which are secular, which are Western, white, middle class, and so on. Okay? So when you ask Jamila about the history or the, um, the beginning of feminism, this is what it was based on, which is why the second and third wave came about to, uh, to react in reaction to first wave feminism, which was entirely uh, about white middle class women, educated women and so on. So the, the word itself is steeped in meaning, whether we like to admit it or not. So I'll give you an example just to sort of illustrate it, okay? Now again, I'm just uh, sort of using this example to highlight what I'm saying. I don't obviously agree with this. Yeah. But if I said to you, um, I believe that Nazism and Islam are compatible, what would you say? Um, well, of course, I mean, you're using Nazism because of all the connotations that are um, aligned with Nazism, like, you know, killing Negative all those Jews. Yes. And, okay, know, so I'll so no, I'm, I'm hoping, anyway. Um, okay, but what if I said to you now that my interpretation of Nazism simply means equality of everybody, or whatever, it means anything, means whatever I like it to L mean. Let's use another example. Let's use communism, for example. Yep. Uh, communism has, um, I think, resulted in the death of some 40 million people in Europe. 
you know, which I guess a lot more also during the Cold War, but let's just say 40 million. Um, but now you still see many different forms of communism. Uh, even in Australia, for example, I think the uh, the Greens are sort of... Oh, they're more... Socialist? Socialist and communist. Yeah, but I mean, you, you see, these are all the inter- different interpretations and you can have different forms of communism. We won't use Nazism because, of course, globally they've been just uh, demonized to such a way that you can't uh, isolate them from that. But for communism, for example, even though they've killed so many more people than the Nazis did, you still have communists who are proud and who are basically reinterpreting the... Uh, the cause and the the philosophy of uh, communism. Well, that's I mean that's true. They are reinterpreting and replaying. But I mean, would you say? Could you say, for example, communism and its exact opposite are the same? You can't merge them. They're not interpretable to to an absolute extent. Okay, they're still grounded in something. So communism is at its very core about equality, if you like. Yeah. So um, these these terms are always uh, they're always grounded in a particular meaning. Uh, whether we reinterpret them or not, um, they always have a meaning which is tied to their history, tied to the power of language and so on. Um, and it's funny because this is what feminists, um, many feminists um, are about, actually tying um, the power to language. So, for example, when they um, critique liberalism, even a liberal theory um, in, at a formal level is very neutral. It doesn't refer to genders, doesn't um, formally recognize men as greater than women, having greater rights than women and so on. Um, they critique it on the basis of language. Okay, so they say the language... Um, implies that men are greater than women because of the history of liberalism and because of who created liberalism and so on. Now, the same thing here has to apply to feminism, okay? Who created feminism? Um, where did it come out of? It didn't come out of thin air. It's obviously not divine. It didn't come from God. Um, it has a particular meaning. It has underlying assumptions. Um, one of the assumptions, like you mentioned earlier, is equality, okay? Now, um, there are times, obviously, where um, Islam uh, promotes inequality, okay? Let's, let's be very honest. Uh, inheritance, as you mentioned before. Now, um, that, that's inequality, okay? Dress code. There are different uh, different dress codes for men and women, and so on. Okay, there are other examples. The point here is not that Islam is bad or it needs to be reformed because it has inequality. The point here is that it's inequality itself, which is uh, which is incorrect. We, our quest for absolute uh, our quest for absolute equality is flawed. Okay, wherever there's a conflict um, between Islamic concepts and modern progressive concepts, if you like, I think we have to acknowledge that Islamic concepts uh, are correct because they're from God. Yeah. Uh, concepts such as equality and all these are all secular concepts. These are man-made concepts, or in this case, women-made concepts. Yeah. And when they conflict with Islam, we need to take the Islamic approach. Uh, just um, reading some of the comments on the Facebook page. Sahar mentions that, uh, but that would mean that it's saying that Islam is like lacking in its understanding of women. As I mentioned last week, feminism is a response to a European uh, traditions that exclude women. Islam didn't. Until recent modern history, Islam's methodology provides a voice for, for women. Why must feminism need to be applied then? And we also need to consider here that feminism, regardless of its varying definitions, pursue a free, autonomous, and individualized subjectivity. The Islamic boundaries are blurred to fit this. Um, and um, we have another, not visitor, another um, listener who um, is pro, I guess, Islamic feminism, who actually says, Muhammad, you, have, you seem to have missed the crucial thread that runs through every feminist movement, the equity of the genders, yes, Feminism is subjective, but it always has its aim at its heart, which is equity of the genders, which is not the same as equality. Uh, Sahar also says, um, on what basis does feminism identify problems within Islam? This is the crux of the issue. Okay, that's a very interesting question. Sarwa? Okay, you're referring to me, I'm guessing? Um, You can comment on that, but let me just uh, say one thing. Um, 
In answer to Sahar's question, on what basis does feminism identify problems within Islam? This is the well, correct this is, issue. This is the exact issue um, I'm getting at the end of it. This is my, um, my key question to feminists, to Muslim and Islamic feminists. Um, basically that, on what basis does feminism identify problems with Islam? Or what, what are Muslim or Islamic feminists, what are they based on? What are their guidelines? What are their criteria for right and wrong? Um, it's entirely subjective, again. So when they're critiquing, for example, um, anything in Islam, let's even say something that's obviously wrong. When they're critiquing honor killings, what position are they speaking from? No, but, okay, we seem to be having the same sort of discussion that goes on and on. What we're talking about here is one specific form of Islamic feminism that follows and accepts all the uh, rules and guidelines of Islam. So we're not talking about the feminism of uh, Irshad Menji, for example. We're not talking about the feminism of the this new group I read about today, the Progressive Muslims group or something in the U.S., they're crazy, man. <laughs> but anyways, we're not going to talk about them. We're talking about Muslim feminists who apply and are practicing Muslims according to what we understand, uh, you know, practicing Muslims to be about. So what they're doing, rather than calling for things that Islam uh, doesn't offer, um, or, for example, calling for things against Islam, they're actually calling for the rights that Islam already affords to women. Okay, so my question then is why are they putting the term uh, feminism in front of Islam? Why don't they just say... Uh, we're calling for Islam. There's something different here. I suppose they're, they're defining feminism from an Islamic perspective. And uh, they're defining feminism as just um, a, a pursuit of women's rights. Um, so, so then, well, this and, is and the point. I mean, if, if you're saying that you need feminism to pursue women's rights in Islam, then you're suggesting that Islam doesn't pursue women's rights. Okay. No, 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 not in that sense. Sorry. As in, femin uh, as in they're using the term feminism... Um, not in the general terms, but as a, as a, as a... Like a focus on women's rights? Not, not a focus, sort of like, ah, uh, okay, I guess that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like martial arts, right? What are martial arts based on? Buddhist teachings, right? But you see many Muslims involved in martial arts. Why? Because as a set of tools, a set of, uh, as a set of, uh, you know, ways of basically having discipline, of, uh, you know, being more relaxed, I guess, of, of being able to fight and defend yourself. These are all valid points within Islam. But, but martial arts has only sort of one way. Whereas feminism, and I think that's what Brother Muhammad was saying, is that it's a very general and there's no absolute truth and there's no, it's a pretty much a postmodern concept. I'm so actually... Further than that, so I'm saying not only that it doesn't have um, absolute truth, but that it, at its basis, that it's philosophical basis, it rejects absolute truth. That's right, because it's a postmodern. It's a postmodern discourse, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm saying why why they're merging the concept of feminism and Islam. So okay, with Islamic feminists who are working within Islamic paradigm, why do they need the term feminism with all of its um, with all of its um, meanings and background and assumptions on? Why are they bringing this into Islam if they, if they already believe that Islam has the solution? What is the benefit of it then? I suppose to appeal to the Western audience. That's, that's <laughs> the, only, the only answer I can think of um, because we're working in, um, in a Western context as well um, and to fit in society. Okay, I, I mean, well, that, that, that would be my view. Okay, well, um, that's not a very great... Actually, look, um, I've already invited you guys over to um, Sydney to have a show, which I want to have about um, epistemology, not epistemology. Is it epistemology? Epistemology, yes. yes epistemology. What is it? I don't even know what it means. It's the nature of truth. Oh. Yeah. And, um, and postmodern theories and, and what that means. Because I still, like, I understand where you're coming from, um, that the, the basis of the philosophy of feminism is the problem rather than feminism itself. 
but I yeah, still... It's not like, I think we need to distinguish, we need to be very careful here, and I think this is where feminists often fail, or Muslim feminists anyway. We need to distinguish between the basis of feminism and the concerns of feminism. No one's arguing that the concerns of feminism are wrong. Obviously, um, you know, opposing women's oppression and so on, that's all great. We're not arguing against that. That's a concern of feminism. But the, uh, the approach of feminism is what I'm critiquing. The approach is, um, like Sister Sadler said, it's, it's, it's Western, okay? It's, um, and I'm saying it's secular. Um, it opposes, um, it's postmodern, it opposes absolute truths and so on. So it's a basis um, which I'm opposed to, not the concerns. The concerns are fine, but the concerns are only secondary. Jazakallah khairan, bro. It's uh, very interesting. And uh, I, wish, I wish we could speak about this uh, some more, but we actually have run out of time. Uh, subhanallah. Um, Brother Muhammad, Jazakallah khairan, thank you very much for coming to the show. On such, such short notice and uh, for giving us so much to think about. Um, I would invite you to post um, things uh, like articles for us to read on the Facebook uh, group as well as your own article, which I thought was, you know, was very impressive and uh, very thought-provoking, um, so that we can have some, you know, some of these ideas, inshallah, um, you know, running around in the minds of the Muslims here in Sydney. And uh, please, can you, um, you know, come to Sydney soon so that we can have our show? Um, I'll post the article definitely, inshallah, in a minute. But um, I, I'm happy, more than happy to come along, and I'm sure the other um, guys are. might just have to be in our break, so not in the no worries, inshallah. So, We're here all year. Inshallah. Touch anyway, inshallah. All right, uh, I'll speak to you later, inshallah. All right, that was the end of our show. We only have one minute, which is enough time for me to thank our guests, uh, Sister Jamila Hussain from UTS and uh, Brother Muhammad Al Tabbah, soon to be Dr. Muhammad Al Tabbah from Melbourne, Melbourne University. Latrobe um, University. Sorry? Latrobe. Oh, he finished at Latrobe now. He's doing his PhD at Melbourne University. Whatever. Man, I introduced him twice. Come on. Um, I'd also like to thank all our, listen- our listeners. Yes, not visitors. I'd thank to li- uh, like to thank all our listeners for uh, contributing and for listening, especially Sister Sahar for uh, being so uh, you know heavy in her contributions. And also thanks, Sarwa. You've been great today. Thank you, Nasser. No worries, inshallah. Uh, next week is going to be the Easter break. So we're not actually going to have a show next week. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere. I don't know. I don't I've know got a show. wedding to uh, attend to. I don't know. Somewhere in Australia, like Blue Mountains or something. I hope I don't get eaten by uh, cannibals. Um, thank you all very much. And uh, this is, as I said, the end of our show. Please let us know your thoughts uh, after we put out the podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.